you to forgive me or, 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 or just bear with me for having to sit down sometimes because I am, I have believed I received healing in my back, hip, and leg. And, uh, and uh, thank God I'm putting the Word of God in every day. And His Word is light. We heard that last week. And uh, the light's driving out all the darkness. Amen. But um, I may sit down some because that's right now that that helps. And so uh, let's uh, get started tonight on wisdom. I'm going to call this wisdom for marriage and families. And so um, uh, <clears throat> praise God. Last year in February, if you'll remember, we ministered on uh, marriage. Well, actually, we didn't do it, but we actually had a DVD uh, and had a kind of a seminar on Wednesday nights on marriage. And in January, God just put it in our hearts again that we would minister to marriages and to families. And so this is going to be somewhat to you as you for your children, too. And uh, <clears throat> it's going to cover both areas. And, uh, you know, the church is only going to be as strong as our marriages are. And no matter how good our marriages are, we need to be strengthening them, and they can be stronger. They can be, uh, and you know, and also our marriages are also always in transition. And uh, you know, every time you get a new kid, you birth a child, you get a transition. You know, things change. And but, and then as you get older, every time you get one out of the house, well, you have a transition until finally you don't have any in the house, and that's a, another transition. And then you know, as different things, and then as you, if 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 mama, your if as you get older, if your mother moves in with you, that's going to be a transition for your marriage. Pastor about passed out right when I said that. <laughs> Hallelujah. He prays daily for my stepfather, <laughs> and he was, and truly, he uh, my stepfather was at death's door this summer. He really was. Everybody thought he was gone. He thought he was gone. And um, my mother thought he was gone. Everybody thought he was gone. And I think pastor's prayers just brought him back from the dead. He's actually just doing really good right now. Hallelujah. And pastor's just like, not until the rapture, Lord. Not until the rapture. Hallelujah. Because he didn't know if we could bear that transition. Hallelujah. But um, thank you. I am an only child, and so there wouldn't be any other options, as you can see. Uh, praise God. Um, so, but I wanted, Pastor has declared, and this is really, I, I have such a witness in my heart to this, that this is a year for wisdom. And so uh, he's been talking a lot about wisdom, and he even started in the end of 08 talking about wisdom. So, um, and I was, as I was thinking about marriage, I was thinking, you know, when you boil it all down, that the secret for a happy marriage is wisdom. The wisdom of God. I mean, if you just want to take out all the other stuff, we could just uh, really not even teach tonight. I could just tell you, get wisdom and then we could all go home. And if you would do that, that is your secret. That's the, but I'm going to help you get some wisdom, uh, tonight. So get the wisdom of God. And then number two, be a doer of the word. You know, it doesn't matter how much wisdom you have. If you don't ever get around to doing it, you know, it's not going to do a lot, uh, for you. And so, um, but if you will get the wisdom of God and you have to pursue wisdom and Proverbs talks about, uh, going after it. Going after wisdom and seeking wisdom, and uh, you will. And if you will do the word, then you will have a happy marriage. I didn't say you would have one immediately, but um, uh, through a process of time, getting wisdom and doing the word will solve every situation of your life, not just marriage, but any other situations in your life. Getting the wisdom of God, getting His direction, either something specific from the Word or something, if it has to be specific to your situation, then you have to get that too. And then being a doer of that Word through a process of time will solve all your problems. Um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes, and I can, I can tell you this has happened a lot to us, we will counsel people, not necessarily about marriage, but about other things too, and we will give them what the Word says and they will say something like, yeah, 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 I know that, but. Or, I tried that, and it didn't work. Or, you know, I know the Word says that, but that won't work on my husband or wife. And, uh, you know, you really can't help people like that. Because, and a lot of times when people come to you for counseling like that, they've already made up their mind 
in their marriage. They want it to be over, and they're just looking for you to agree. And that's what... And uh, Or maybe it's a person, and, and this happens a lot, is they're not really going to leave their husband or their wife, but they just want sympathy. In other words, if their spouse won't listen, then you will. And they just want to listen, but they want you to listen, but they don't really want the Word and what the Word says. And, uh, they, and, and another situation is that a lot of times people just want magic. They want the pastor to pray a prayer, and they want for themselves not to have to change, and they don't want to have to do anything, but they just want God to fix it. You know, this hurts, God, I want you to fix it, but don't ask me to do anything, and don't ask me to uh, uh, change in any way. And people like that have a deeper-rooted problem than just their marriage. Uh, first of all, they don't esteem God, and they don't esteem God's Word, and you really can't help them because, you know, I don't know if you figured it out yet, but there's not any answers except right here. That is all there is. There's no psychiatrist or psychologist or marriage counselor. There's nobody that can wave a magic wand. There's nobody that has any magic answers. But all the answers for everything in life are in the Word of God. And sometimes we have to look and we have to keep on looking. And we have to... The, in James, and I love this scripture, it says, um, He that looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. And so it's not just looking at the Word one time, but continuing therein. And him being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. And so it's this perfect law of liberty, and that's the Word. And continuing therein, and keeping and looking, and keeping on asking the Holy Spirit to show you. The Bible says in Proverbs that if you will cry out for understanding, and if you will ask Him for understanding, and cry out for wisdom, and so if you will ask in any situation, whether it's for healing, or for finances, or for marriage, or for children, you know, if you will cry out and, and ask for understanding, God will get it to you. And he and he's and you just keep seeking God in His Word. Keep turning to the Scriptures. I know that today I got the biggest revelation out of Psalm 91. And how many times do you think I've read Psalm 91? But just continuing therein and just keeping going back to Psalm 91. And I was reading something in Psalm 91 and it just jumped out at me. And it really blessed me and it really helped me. And so... Um, we have to be doers of the Word and we have to go after the Word. And this is where your answers are for every problem. Now, the world, let's talk about the world, the world system. You know what I'm talking about. The world knows nothing about marriage. I can tell you for sure, Oprah does not know anything about marriage. You know, that woman is messed up in the mind and getting more messed. You know what, what's bad about when you're messed up in your mind? unless you turn to God, you just keep getting more messed up and more messed up and more messed up. And you know, she's got friends in Scientology and all that, and so she just keeps getting weirder and weirder. But, and you know, I, I'm not against her, but I'm just saying that the world doesn't know anything about marriage. Uh, if you follow what the world says about marriage, you're going to mess up your marriage. Even if you had a good one, pretty soon you'll get it messed up following the world. And how, and, and I want to tell you how little the world knows about marriage. If you look up the word marriage in the dictionary, it says the act of being married. Now that is revelation, isn't it? Does that help you or what? I mean, I, I mean, you can just tell from that that they don't know nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah! I mean, uh, 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 the the, th the three year olds could figure that out in the back there in the nursery. The act of being married. So that's how little the world knows. The world is struggling now with can two men marry or can two women marry? And folks, this is not rocket science. I mean, it's not even, you don't have to have spiritually heavy revelation. And I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be vulgar here, so don't take it that way. But just look at two naked men and or two naked women and you can figure it out. Duh. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, you're going to know the answer. Hallelujah. Now this is church and don't get all religious on me about stuff like that. 
The world is spiritually retarded. They're retarded in a spiritual sense. And I don't mean that as any slam against people that are handicapped mentally. But anyway, they just, the world just, they just, you know, it just doesn't work up there. God has given the world over to a reprobate mind. And they are degenerating. Not They're not getting smarter and smarter. They're getting dimmer and dumber. And you can tell that. You know, uh, I know that the, the world is dumber about marriage than they were when I was a little girl. Or even when me and Pastor got married in 1973. The world is a lot dumber in, about those kind of things. And so... Um, uh, but we have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God, and we're growing brighter and smarter if we won't listen to that system and we, if we will get our answers from the Word of God. And I can tell you, if Jesus were to tarry a thousand years from now, this would still be the answer and it would still be good, sound wisdom and good, sound advice. And so don't let anybody tell you that there's something new for marriage besides what the Word says. Don't let anybody tell you, well, now there's a new way to parent children. And they will. I mean, a, a man wrote into Dear Abby this week. I, I can't. It, we only get the paper on the weekend, so it was Friday, Saturday, or Sunday that Dear Abby got this letter. And Dear, and they said, uh, and he said, my kids are just so obedient and well behaved, and I do it just like my parents did. I spank them with the belt. And uh, uh, well, of course, Abby, and I forget what his question was. I think it was like people are always asking me, you know, how are your kids so good? And you know, when I tell them, they kind of freak out. I don't remember what the question was, but anyway, she was just like, no, 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 no. Now there's a better way to do it. You know, you talk to them. And uh, hallelujah. And we've seen those kids that just get talked to. Hallelujah. And they're at Walmart. If you want to go see some, there'll be some there tonight. And uh, they've, you can tell they've just been talked to and nothing else. And my, and I'm going to, if I tell you one more time and, and, uh, and, you know, and trying to, you know, you cannot reason with a two year old or a three year old. And, uh, anyway, and I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with the belt. I don't. And if we ever get to the parenting part, that's not the way I believe God wants us to discipline is with the belt. That's how I got disciplined. Hallelujah. And once with a fly swatter. And I can guarantee you, I can see the room I was in. I can see the wall I tried to climb. I can see the, uh, you know, you just are imprinted permanently after the fly swatter. I mean, I have not forget. I know exactly where I live, the address. You know, you are imprinted. But, you know, hallelujah. So there's another way. And my parents, even though they disciplined and they did a good job raising me, they didn't do it according to the Word. We need to do these things according to the Word. And that's my point, that a thousand years from now, it'll still be the Word's way. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> now, um, <clears throat> if you will submit to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to show you what to do concerning your marriage, He will lead you to a place of victory in every area in your marriage and in every area of parenting and in every area of family. God can and He will heal your marriage. He will turn it around. If your marriage is already good, He can make it even better. Um, how much better can God make your marriage? All the way to heaven on earth. All the way. And I think all of us could say, well, you know, there's a few little things. And I think that Pastor and I have a good marriage, even a great marriage. But I think we could go a little further into heaven on earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, just to be honest... Um, and we have to do this the way we're going to get our marriage healed and turned around or even increased and blessed more is to do that through revelation and acting on revelation. And so first tonight, let's turn over to Genesis 2.24. Now, I'm going to go on the press. I'm going to suppose, I don't know, <clears throat> that all of you know the basics of marriage. And so I'm not going to talk very much about the very, very basic, start at the beginning basics of marriage. And we're going to get over into some wisdom things pretty fast. But I will start here. Uh, Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And so that's kind of the start of it all. And I looked up the word leave, and it means commit self and relinquish. And so really, if you want to sum it up, to leave is a shift in relationship. There's a shift here. You're forming a whole new family, a whole new family unit, okay? 
And cleave means to be joined or to stick. And you've heard some people say it means to be to stick like glue. And so you know, you know, it doesn't do any good to get married if you're not going to stick like glue and stick and just stick it out. Hallelujah. And, and and especially Christian marriages. And Christians are not doing this because we talked about this, I believe, Sunday or mentioned it when we announced this, that Christian married Christians are divorcing at a higher rate than the world is right now, which is uh, which is interesting. Um, so he says, and to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, um, you may, this may surprise you, and we're going to read several scriptures as we go along. But you are one flesh with your husband, or your and your or your wife, whichever way it is, and and that basically just means that. His body is your body, and your body is His body. And this is not just for intimacy purposes, but also for healing and in strength and uh, in a lot of areas. And we're one flesh. But you know what? You know, a lot of people, I've heard people say, "Me, my husband and I, we're just one spirit. But you know, the Bible never says that you are one spirit with your spouse. But we, but we are one spirit with Christ, and in Christ, all of us in this room are one spirit. It does say that. We are all one spirit in Christ. And so in, a, in the spiritual sense, just like you are with all the other members of the body of Christ, you are one spirit with Christ and with the body. And so if your husband or wife is saved, they're in the body of Christ. And so you're one spirit in that way. But you are not one spirit, just you and him. And uh, boy, we are one spirit. But um, because, and I, reason, I think the reason, I believe the reason for this is because the Bible teaches that in heaven, there is no marriage. And so, and we know heaven being totally, uh, totally focused on the spiritual side or the spirit man, and there's no marriage in heaven. And so, there, that's the reason you are not made one spirit with your husband, now our wife. Now we can become one soul. You know, man's a three-part being. Uh, spirit, soul, and body. And so you know you're one flesh, so that's the body. You're not one spirit except in the general sense of the body of Christ. But you can become one soul with your mate. But that happens through a process of time. And you hear people saying, I met my soul mate. I doubt it. I mean, I just doubt that you're already soul mates that fast. Because this happens just like mind renewal happens through a process of time. Becoming one soul with a person is a process of time and happens through uh, just uh, as you as you grow to be like each other. Soul is, soul is mind, will, and emotions. And through so through a process of time, you can begin to think alike, right? You could begin to have, feel things alike. And you could begin to have set your wills in the same way. And this usually happens. You, you usually don't have to be married pretty long to figure out there's some soul differences here. And you know, a lot of times when people uh, have lived together a long time, they really have begun to be one soul with the person where you think alike. And you know, you can be one soul... Um, my pastor used to get upset when me and my when he, we first got married because me and my mother didn't talk in complete sentences. I would start to say something and and she would just yeah yeah and start and he was like, "What?" Because we didn't have to finish the sentence and he would be so frustrated because him not being completely one soul with me yet he didn't know what I was going to say but she knew what I was going to say. But now we more, you know, after 30, I, we've been married since 1973. Did anybody ever figure that up? 35 years being 36 in August, I believe is what it is. And so now we are more one soul than we've ever been. And we do think a lot alike. Occasionally we don't think alike. And we find out we're not completely one soul. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the com complete, occasionally our wills are going different ways. <laughs> Hallelujah. And occasionally... Um, my emotions are going a completely different way than his. Hallelujah. But anyway, it is a process and it is beginning to happen. And have you ever seen people that have lived together 50 or 60 years and you go, they look alike. How did this happen? You know, something about it, you're, you're, you begin to look like each other. and uh, Or that can happen. Acts 4.32, let's turn there and see this soul thing. <clears throat> I'm teaching on spirit, soul, and body in Bible college, so uh, this really, you know, 
kind of goes with that. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And so these people, even in the church, had become one heart and one soul in the church. And that heart there is talking about the soulish part of the heart, not the spiritual part, but the soulish part. And um, so their souls got in such agreement that they became one. And we're not going to turn there, but remember in Genesis 11, 9, where they, the souls of those people got in such agreement at the Tower of Babel that the, uh, God said that they're one. He said they've become one. And that was in their souls. We know it wasn't their spirits because they weren't even born again. They had dead spirits. So he said they've become one and nothing shall be impossible to them. And so he had to come down and confuse their language so they had quit speaking the same thing and believing the same thing and and willing the same thing because they were going to mess some things up in the earth. So he confounded their languages. And so when you get to be one soul and begin to think alike with your husband or wife, it can either be for good or for evil. There are people that are uh, in uh, uh, the church of Satan that are one soul. So, you know, this is not a big deal here. I'm one, I'm a soulmate with my, uh, with this man or with this woman. And you've got to be careful. You can give your soul away and get a soul tie with somebody that you're not even married to. And it's not healthy. It's not good. Hallelujah. So you need to guard your soul. But in a marriage, we're supposed to be able to let our guard down and, and, and become one soul and begin to think alike. And uh, so um, let's look at um, what the Bible says about marriage in some other places now. Now, there's five or six major passages on marriage in the Bible. But I noticed as I've studied that there are very few specifics on marriage in the Bible. There's not a lot of specifics. I'm like, God, could you be more specific about marriage? It seemed to me when I first have studied it that and, and, and especially used to, I thought, he was just pretty general about it, and there wasn't a lot of direction. And I was kind of frustrated because I was like, you know, I wanted to know some things about marriage, especially when we first got filled with the Spirit. So, but I want you to turn now to Ephesians 5.21. And I tell you, I found out, though, that God gave us all the answers. Everything we needed to know about marriage is in the Bible. We don't have to go down to Books a Million or to Barnes and Noble and find another book on marriage. Although there are some good Christian books on marriage. There's some really good Christian books and through the years some of those have really helped me. But but all they do is point to you to what's in the Bible already and maybe make it a little more clear to you what the Bible's saying. But the answers are still in the Bible is my point. So in Ephesians 5 verse 21 it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now I want to start with that verse because everybody else wants to start with verse 22. But we need to just go to 21 because it says 21 before it says 22, doesn't it? So submit yourselves one to another. Say one to another. In the fear of God. Say, in the fear of God. And then it says, after that, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Say, as unto the Lord. Now that is the key passage in that. We always put all the heavy on so wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. But I'm teaching this, so I'm going to teach the way I want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the key part is as unto the Lord. And you get all messed up, out of balance, and not do it even like God wants you to if you don't get the as unto the Lord part in there. And, um, <clears throat> uh, and so it's as unto the Lord. Now let me ask you this. When do you submit to the Lord? Do you only submit to the Lord when you want to? No. Do you only submit to the Lord when you understand? We know that's not true. Because, you know, we hardly ever understand exactly why or anything. I mean, did you only get water baptized because you understood? Did you only tithe when you first, when you finally understood? I started tithing a long time before I understood. I got water baptized when I was 10 years old. I know I didn't understand, but I did it in obedience to the Lord. So uh, do you only submit to the Lord when you agree with Him? No, we submit. Um, <clears throat> how many of you wives, don't raise your hand, but you think God could speak to you through your husband? 
Amen. Some raise their hand. They actually believe it. Hallelujah. Well, uh, so he tells us wives, he says, uh, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Then in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now this puts some responsibility in this verse on the husband. He says the husband's the head of the wife, and it says that he is the savior of the body, just like Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And so um, there's some responsibility we probably need to look at. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. I noticed it said um, subject there, and that means subordinate and obey. I didn't really like all those definitions, but I'm having to tell you the truth, what they really were. And uh, uh, it says in everything. And I looked that up because I thought surely that means something besides everything. But it said, but actually what it meant was whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. I always like these that start out husbands a lot better than I do the ones that start out wives. Hallelujah. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, and, and that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And so we have some spiritual responsibility here. One of, the spiritual responsibility, because the, the husband is supposed to be to the wife, like Christ is to the church. So he, in these verse 25 and 26, there's a spiritual responsibility in that, and that is to bring the word to the wife. In other words, to bring wisdom. And so husbands, you're going to have to pursue wisdom because you need to bring wisdom to the family and wisdom to your wife. Your wife needs to be able to come to you and say, and I do this all the time, uh, not on a daily basis, but anytime I run into something and I'm not figuring it out in my prayers, well, then I go to pastor and I say, I need some wisdom. And a lot of people would esteem the pastor and say, and come to pastor and say, pastor, I need wisdom. A woman would before she went to her husband. And, uh, but it's the husband's responsibility to give wisdom uh, to the wife. And so he's going to have to seek for it. And he's going to have to have that wisdom for her. And if you don't have wisdom for your wife, she's going to be insecure. Because it brings great comfort to a woman when she knows that her husband hears from God. It comforts me. It comforts me when I know pastor's praying. And when I don't think he's really praying. And that's why you, your wife is tempted to become Holy Ghost Junior and talk to you about you need to pray. And you've just been too busy. And you're, you know, and I've done that with pastor too. And that's what it tempts me to become Holy Ghost Junior, which I know I'm not supposed to be. But I, what I'm saying is I'm not feeling secure right here because I don't think you're getting what you need as far as prayer. Or maybe your wife has just flat never felt secure because you've never uh, developed your prayer life. And so you need to do that because it'll cause your wife to uh, be comforted and to be secure. And, um, and, and, and so that's, that's part of being what Christ is to the church. Then in verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And so you are going to one day, I believe, have to present your wife uh, to God. And God doesn't want your wife beat up. He, in fact, he doesn't want her to have any spot or wrinkle or any kind of blemish. I get from that, don't give your wife wrinkles. Amen. And some husbands give their wife wrinkles and gray hair. And the Bible says you're not supposed to do that. In fact, you're supposed to be getting rid of, you know, wrinkles and blemishes and spots. That doesn't mean give her a, a an allowance for the for the, what do you call it? The, what do you, facial, the, sur, the plastic surgeon. <laughs> Here's your allowance for the week for the plastic surgeon, honey. No, um, we were talking to uh, David Ellison and he was talking about, you know, and I said, well, you live in the land of plastic surgery, you know, California. He said, yeah, drive through. And, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, praise God. So all men, verse 28, to love their wives as their own bodies, even that loveth, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. Um, and so it says, um, love her 
uh, really what it's saying here is love her more than you love yourself. Because it goes on to say, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh. No man ever yet. is. Did you realize that? If the Bible says it, then it's true. Because you know, you thought you knew some people that hated themselves. But this says, no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And so he, um, he, you are supposed to love your wife more than you love yourself. And so sometimes when you want to lay on the couch, but she wants to go to the mall, well, uh, you got to figure out. I got to love her more than I love me, and me wants to lay on the couch. So I guess what? I'm going to the mall because I love her so much more. Now you can just decide these things. I'm going to love her more than I love uh, uh, than I love uh, myself. I'm going to prefer her over myself. Verse 29, for no man, we read that, nourisheth it. No, he says that no man ever hate his own flesh, but nourisheth it. In other words, he's going to eat. He's going to see. And so you as a husband have to see that she gets fed spirit, soul, and body. Now, most husbands do see that their wives eat food. And, and I mean, they see that she's getting provided for in the area of food. But husbands, that's not all of it. She's a three-part being, and she needs to be fed in their spirit. So you've got to get her to church and get her fed, and um, you've got to uh, see that her soul, her mind, her will, and emotions get fed. In other words, we've talked about this before several years ago, you've got to fill up her love tank. You might need to go get the book, The Five Love Languages, and find out which which one of the five she is um, or, and, uh, and, and fill up her love tank. Now, my love tank, my love language is um, quality time. I want, I, I, that's what I want. That's all I want from everybody. That's what I want is quality time. And so pastor keeps my quality time love tank full. And uh, some people, though, it's, it's, it's uh, gifts. And some people, it's words of affirmation or, you know, speaking really kind and tender words. And, you know, we all like a little bit of all of it. But when you boil it down, you know, which one do you just have to have and you choose? And I have to have quality time. I want quality time with my kids. I want quality time with my grandchildren. I want quality time even with the members of the body of Christ. I like to be with you. I like to spend time with you. I like to visit and it fills my love tank up and it makes me feel, uh, it makes me uh, have a, I feel good mentally and, and spiritually. I just feel complete. And so uh, find out what your wife's love language is and uh, you have to feed her spirit, soul, and body. And that mean, doesn't mean you have to give her every bit of spiritual food, but you have to see that she has time to spend feeding herself the Word. If she doesn't have time for the Word, you're going to have to make her time. If she doesn't have, and, and you're going to have to make sure that she's not working every Sunday or every Wednesday. So that, and you know, as the husband, you're going to have to have the wisdom of God to guide her in that so that she gets fed spiritual, spirit, soul, and body. Cause your job is to do what Christ does for the church, nourisheth it, uh, and then cherisheth it cherisheth it. Cherish it even as the Lord cherishes the church. You have to cherish your wife. You're supposed to cherish your wife. And man, do we love being cherished. I mean, we sing songs about it. I remember, oh, cherish is the word that we use to describe. I won't sing the whole song to you. But Lord, when I was just out of high school or right there at the end of high school, that was like the most song, you know. I mean, we just love cherish. We love, cause we love to be cherished. And you know, you can just fix a lot of things, you know, a lot of things by just that one little thing, just cherishing her. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. And then he says, uh, uh, <clears throat> he goes down and he said in verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. We already read that in Genesis. And shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now he's saying, this is a mystery, but marriage, what he's saying is marriage is just like Christ and the church. 
Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so this is a mystery. But when I told you a while ago that it seemed like that the word was pretty vague about marriage to me, I was just kind of overlooking all of this. I wasn't seeing the importance of it. But if you just sum it all down, it's real simple. The husband is like Christ, and he's supposed to treat his wife like Christ treats the church. The wife is like the church, and she's supposed to treat her husband like the church is supposed to treat Christ. And so you know what? That answers just nearly every question right there. And so let's go over some things about husbands and how Christ treats the church. Well, in verse 33, we just saw there that it says, Nevertheless, see that the husband love his wife. And so we could say the first thing, and we know that Christ loves the church. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And we know that. He, he wanted the church. He wanted us to be born again. He loved us. And so husbands are to love their wives. And then... The second thing that we see that Christ doing for the church is He's always faithful to the church. Now, Pastor talked about that even in the offering, that He's faithful even when we're not. And that's in 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. So the husband is always supposed to be faithful to the wife because that's how Christ is to the church. Amen? And then he's supposed to be, the husband needs to be a comforter to the wife. And one of the things a wife wants more than anything from her husband, besides love and cherishing, is he, she needs comfort from him. And you know, men sometimes, are pastor's a problem solver. And I know I go to him sometimes and I've got, I've had a frustrating day. And he, he wants to give me well, just start doing this. And, and I don't, that's not what I, and I tell him sometimes, I'm saying, I know the word as good as you know the word. Now quit giving me that because that's not what I want. I want him to comfort me. I want him to, you know, I want him to, and I'll tell you something he does do that comforts me. He'll tell me, it's not, don't worry about it. It's, all, it's okay. It's all going to work out. And he doesn't just flippantly say that and not believe in it. I mean, he really, and, and it just, all of a sudden, it'll comfort me. It just, I'll just be like, yeah, it's okay. It's going to work out. And that comforts me. So the, and God always comforts the church. So he, your, the husband is to be a comforter. One of the things uh, Christ does for the church is Christ wants to spend time with us, the church. You know that? That's why He comes into our services. He wants to be with us. That's why He comes to our prayer times. And so the husband is supposed to spend time with his wife. Hallelujah. And there ain't no wife on the face of this earth going to be happy if her husband don't spend time with her. And so he's, you, gotta, you just got to arrange it. You may have to give up some stuff, husbands. You may like Tommy, uh, no, not Tommy, Jimmy Evans last year when we watched the DVDs on marriage. He said he had to put his golf clubs away for a while. You know, I've heard of worse things, you know, in the world. But she, she, she needs some time with you. I know. I remember one time, and I'm gonna tell some personal things about us, and Pastor won't care. But he was farming from Candle Cane. He leave at six o'clock in the morning or earlier, and tent come in. Not, you know, in West Texas, it don't get dark till nine thirty in the summer. So even if you stop when the sun goes down at 9.30, you, you're, you know, it's 10 o'clock getting home. And, you know, I finally one time, I just sat, sat down and I said, the only reason I got married, I listed all the reasons. I don't need you to support me. I didn't need, I didn't, I married you for companionship. That's the only reason I got married. And he listened to me and he made some changes. Now we had to, sometimes the way we spent time together when he was a farmer is I went with him to the field. I went with him to check water at midnight. In fact, we'd been stuck in a field in the pickup in the, at mid, 1230 in the morning. And, you know, you don't really want to call somebody to come pull you out of the mud hole. And so Pastor had to walk a mile or two 
down to get the tractor and pull us out of the mud hole because we're stuck in the mud. Hallelujah. But, you know, you got to find time to spend time because God always spends time with the church. And then Christ, number five, he leads the church. And the husbands, we know, are the leaders or the heads. Christ is always merciful to the church. So you got to show mercy to your wife. When she spends more than she should have, you're going to show mercy. Pastor's always so merciful to me. He never, you know, sometimes I have really torn some things up. I have, um, uh, and he never gets on to me when I break something that he, you know, like I back over something with the car or, uh, uh, you know, or he, you know, and I've done that and he's never gotten mad no matter what I did to the car, no matter what I, you know, uh, if I overdrew the account, if I forgot to make the deposit and, you know, there's been, there's been a couple of times when I forgot to make the church deposit and that really is harmful, you know, and you know, he never, but he, see, he was always merciful to me. Hallelujah. And so you have to be merciful to your wife when she messes up. Hallelujah. Uh, he ta the, God takes care of the church. Christ always takes care of the church and supplies our needs. And so um, she needs you to supply our need. And that doesn't mean that you have to be the only one working in the family, but you need to be a supplier. Uh, <clears throat> number eight, this is really important. Christ always wants to bless the church. And every husband should want to bless his wife. And every husband should take the time to learn how to bless his wife. And um, uh, one of the ways to learn how to bless her is to sit down with her and bring a piece of paper and a pencil and say, I want to just ask you some questions and talk with you. And just make some notes about what she likes. And I thought I would just ask the question in here tonight. How many of you husbands know your wife's favorite color? I see three. And this one's kind of like maybe, you know, four. There's four. Okay, so they're getting a little bolder. And maybe I should ask how many of you don't know. Well, I believe, Pastor, what's my favorite color? I'm going to put him on the spot. <laughs> I thought for sure he got it. He got it. I knew he would know my favorite color's red. Hallelujah. <laughs> But you might have to sit down and talk with her and ask her what she likes. You know, don't just go to the florist. And you know, I'm going to give you some advice. Don't do this two days before Valentine's. Because it just makes something... You know, Valentine's loses something. It, but you know, sometime when there's not a holiday close by, say, you know, what kind of flowers do you like? And what's your favorite color? And you know, and, and you know, because men... Don't and, and, and men don't always know those things, but you know what? They need to take the time to learn. And you know, if he's not here tonight, either get him the CD or say, sit down, here's a piece of paper, here's a pencil, now take notes <laughs> and start laying it out for him. And you know, and, and Pastor has had he 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 needed to learn those things because you're not going to bless her if you buy her things she doesn't like. That's a revelation. And I know the thought's supposed to be what counts. And it does a little bit. I mean, a little bit we're just glad you remembered Valentine's. But it's not a lot of a blessing. And, and, and you know, one time, a long, long time ago, Pastor made me so mad for something he bought me. I mean, I was so mad, I threw it away, and I'm so, I'm, I still don't regret it. I'm not even repentant. I threw it away. I didn't want it. And let me tell you what it was. It wasn't what it was, but you know what he did? And your wife does not want you to do this. He hit my mother, had a store, and my mother told him, buy this for Debbie for her her birthday. Well, now, it really wasn't his idea. It was hers. And he was young, and so we have to give him that. We were not been married a long time. And he bought what she said. But it just flat made me mad that my mother picked it out. And besides, it wasn't really even something I liked. But she had told him to buy it. 
And, 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 but I don't, didn't want something from my mother. I want something from my husband. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> now, if, if my mother had said something like, uh, or if, if Michael, if, if my mother had said, um, Debbie told me for you to buy this or something like that, that might have been different. But, um, <clears throat> it, you know, it just didn't work right. He's okay. Don't y'all? I just could feel all sorts of sympathy just going to her all, you know. And Miss Debbie's just so mean, and you know, no, hallelujah. But anyway, the husband needs to find out what uh, you know she likes. There was a time when my mother had this store. It was a florist, actually. At that time, I did not want flowers. I did not like flowers. Why? Because on Valentine's Day, I mean, you know, you're just up to your eyeball in flowers. And, and you know, you're just like, eh. And you don't. And for sure, you don't want a carnation. Do not send a carnation. Because, you know, we just had 50 funerals that year. And that's what they all do for funerals. And so... Uh, and you have to learn these things. My point is not that your wife doesn't like carnations. That may be her favorite flower. But my point is you need to find out at a, at a, well, you know, what kind of flowers she likes, what colors of flowers she likes, what kind of jewelry she likes, um, what kind of, uh, you know, just what she likes. And, you know, men, you've got to be good at taking hints, too. Now, Pastor didn't used to be so good at taking hints. Like, um... We would, I've had this happen. We would walk through stores like before Christmas and I'd go, Oh, that is so cute. Oh, that's cute. Oh, I like that. And it's like he didn't catch. And I'm like, So I'm just telling you, husbands, catch, catch on. If y'all are out, you need to have your ears. If y'all are walking through a store and she's just ooing and aahing and isn't that cute? But I got to tell you, he changed. Because last year in January, we were walking through Dillard's. And I saw a pink purse. And I said, oh, look at that pink purse. Isn't that the... That pink purse is beautiful. And I didn't think any more about it. And on Valentine's Day, I opened up the prettiest pink purse. Amen. And I tell you what, he's not been in the doghouse all year. <laughs> over that pink purse. Hallelujah. I still am so, I'm still just amazed. And you know, another thing husbands do is maybe even if they do catch on, then they procrastinate and they wait till the day before the holiday and oh, it's all gone. They're all gone. And I've had that too. Well, you know, they were out of those. Well, pastor last year, he was so smart. We walked through one night. I said the pink purse. He was there the next day. And I didn't even tell him this. He's just started to, you know, the entrance of the word brings light and he's getting smarter and smarter. Hallelujah. And he just, he went the next day. It was the last pink purse, but he got it. Amen. And I was one happy girl on Valentine's Day. You need to find out if she likes candy. She may not like to get candy. The worst thing you can do is she just went on a thousand calorie a day diet and you bring her a box of candy this big. And you know, you need to make sure you're not buying it for you instead of her, you know. And um, <laughs> you need to find out one thing. I don't, I'll tell you something I don't like. I do not like Godiva chocolates. I know they're supposed to be the best. I can't stand them. I don't like them. So <laughs> I'm, I, 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 you need to learn those things about your wife. What kind of chocolate do you like? Do you even like chocolate? <laughs> you, so, so you got to find out how to bless her. And, you know, and wives, you gotta, you got to give... Sometimes some wives, and I'm going to close with this and we'll start next week, but some wives won't let people bless them. I actually have people in our family, it's like, don't want clothes, don't need any more jewelry, don't want nothing for my house, got plenty of stuff in my house, don't, can't read. <laughs> well, I mean, they can read, but they don't. <laughs> The, you know, uh, huh? Uh, got, got, I got, I got so much perfume, I can't use it all. It's like, folks, we gotta open up our, we gotta let people bless us. And so we gotta, you know, you need to get some things that you like and that you would like to have. And I'm gonna talk to the wives now and, and the women. You know, you can't take back everything. You might can every once in a while take something back and get by with it. But if you take back everything every time, I know how I am. I like to bless people. 
And you know, if, and, and wives, you can't take back, if he bought you a dress, then you need to take it back and get you a dress. That's how I am about when I buy people stuff. I, if I buy you a dress, bless God, I believe the Holy Ghost told me you needed a dress. He didn't tell me you needed to go t- turn it in, get the cash and go pay the water bill or go buy your kid a pair of jeans. That, that, and if you want to close down the river of somebody giving to you, just be that kind of person and you'll close your husband down if you take everything back all the time. And if you do have to take something back, you know, he's certainly going to understand if it doesn't fit or something like that. But you know, you're going to have to be, and, and I'm saying this in front of him, so he's going to know you're doing it, but you're going to have to be a kind about it and you're going to have to just say, would you mind? And I really like it, but but, you know, uh, hallelujah. But don't be so poverty-minded that you can't receive gifts. Like, Because if God gives you something, He wants you to have that. Amen? And especially, you know, out here in the body of Christ. Amen? And so, so we've got to get to be good receivers as wives. And we've got to be good receivers. And husbands, now, you know, let me say that to you. You need to be good at receiving gifts too. Most men are like, don't want nothing. You know, ain't nothing you could buy me. Don't need nothing. I know, I know a family. It's like, he said, and you know, it just gets, well, I won't even tell you that one. <laughs> but basically, they're still, the wife's still in a huff because he said, don't buy me any more shirts. And she said, and she told me this, she said this, you got it. And I guarantee you, I know this lady pretty well. And he may be <laughs> needing some shirts pretty bad before she forgives. So anyway, um, so we need to be, we need to be uh, open to receiving gifts. And you know, sometimes you just need to, the men don't like to get rid of stuff. Sometimes you men just need to go get rid of some stuff just so that people can give you gifts. Won't you just go clean your closet out and take some of it to the Salvation Army so your wife and your grandkids and your kids will have something to buy you? Hallelujah. Besides, pastor's got some shirts that are hung. They're hung in the 70s. (laughs) No, not any really, but he does have a few work shirts that I keep trying to get rid of, you know, but he likes them, but it's like, mmm. Hallelujah. And some ties, you've got some ties that are, I know you do. You've got, I'm not, not that I've seen any of them and I'm saying that, but you've got some ties that need retiring. I'm sure of it. Hallelujah. And so you're going to have to let people bless you. And wives, you need to, the, the, we go going back to this. Now next week we're going to pick on the wives and we're going to say how the church is supposed to treat Christ. Hallelujah. And don't you stay home. Or I'm going to, because you don't want to know that, because, or I'm going to bring the CD to you personally. (laughs) Hallelujah. And sit there while you listen to it. Hallelujah. Because the church is supposed to treat Christ a certain way too. Let's, let's stand up together and be dismissed. Pastor said, I don't know if that hallelujah was, (laughs) 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 I'm so glad this is over. Hallelujah. Well, he might teach next week. He might teach this about wives. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for perfecting that which concerns us.